Welcome to No Life to Letterbox. I am your host, Rob138. So, didn't really announce anything for this week's episode. Um, I had a couple ideas as to some things that I wanted to do, but, here's the but. I uh, had some unplanned shit happen this weekend um, that ate up a bunch of my time. Mostly car stuff, very expensive stuff. Um, so, I... Didn't have time to sit down and record, so rather than not put an episode up, I uh, decided to put up one of the earlier episodes of Pod 138. Um, So this can serve as a little bit of a uh, sample, as it were, of what you get when you sign up for the Patreon. So uh, here's the episode on They Live. Enjoy. Patreon exclusive podcast episodes that will see me delve into various bonus films, whether they be from No Life to Letterbox, Man Made Monster Cast, or Man Made Kaiju Cast. If you're listening to this right now, that means you, yes, you, are a 49% motherfucker and 51% son of a bitch, and that you came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, but you just happen to be all out of bubblegum. That's very apropos for today's episode. But it also means that you've taken your hard-earned money and plopped it down to support me. And for that, I thank you. I will do my best to not disappoint. On this month's episode, we will be discussing the 1988 John Carpenter cult classic film, They Live. What do these things want, and why are they here? You still don't get it, do you, boy? They have recruited the rich and the powerful. They're running the whole show. Wake up! They're all about you, all around you. Blinded us to the truth! Take a look. They are safe, as long as they are not discovered. I don't know what they are, or where they came from, but we gotta stop them. Stay away from me! Put these on. They have us. Look at them! They're everywhere! We have no other choice. I don't like this one. Leave it alone, man. It ain't none of my business. Ain't none of yours. We have been lulled into a trance. Listen to what I'm saying to you. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. Control us! You're sending some kind of signals on a TV sets. I've got one that can see. Mama don't like tattletale. Now we start spilling some blood. Let's go! Push I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hey, 
They Live had a budget of an estimated $4 million and was released on November 4th, 1988. The film had an estimated worldwide gross of $13 million, but would not impress mainstream critics. Janet Maslin of the New York Times would say that, quote, Since Mr. Carpenter seems to be trying to make a real point here, the flatness of They Live is doubly disappointing, end quote. Richard Harrington of the Washington Post would write, quote, The plot for They Live is full of black holes, the acting is wretched, the effects are second rate, end quote. The film is based on the 1963 short story, Eight O'Clock in the Morning, written by Ray Nelson, in which a man named George Nada is accidentally woken up to a new reality where alien creatures are controlling the human race, and he has only until 8 o'clock the next morning to solve the problem. Carpenter would cast the hot rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper, in the lead role of Nada. Carpenter first met Piper in 1987 at WrestleMania III, and for Carpenter it was a no-brainer. Quote, Unlike most Hollywood actors, Roddy has life written all over him. End quote. Carpenter would say in the November 1988 issue of Starlog. In the role of Frank Armitage, Carpenter would reunite with the Thing actor, Kevin David. And he also specifically wrote the role for Mr. David. Rounding out the main cast would be the incomparable Meg Foster as Holly Thompson. So let's get into it, shall we? The film opens with Nada arriving in Los Angeles. There's a bit of a montage with a swinging kind of pseudo-jazz piece. And I gotta say, the song's cool, but I feel like it overstays its welcome. It feels like it's the only song in the film, which is really incredible to me, considering it's John Carpenter and Star Trek The Motion Picture composer Alan Haworth, who are responsible for the score. Uh, we learn a bit about Nada's background when he interviews at a temp agency. Piper really shows a great range of emotion here, all through facial expressions, which really isn't surprising at all, considering he's literally one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time, and one of my all-time favorites. Uh, he once signed a coconut for me. True story. Nada winds up getting a gig on a construction site. Here's where we meet Keith David's Frank. The two begin an uneasy friendship after Frank tells Nada about a kind of shantytown shelter place that he could probably stay at. The shelter is run by a man named Gilbert who is portrayed by Peter Jason. Jason also had roles in Escape from L.A., Mortal Kombat, Body Bags, and Village of the Damned. While at the shantytown, we see the legendary George Buck Flower watching television, which is interrupted by a, quote, hacker who claims that scientists have discovered signals that are being used to enslave the human populace and keep them in a dreamlike state. I love that Buck's character is only referred to as, quote, the drifter in this film. You could basically name 90% of his characters that, and you'd be 100% correct. So the folks are watching the broadcast, and they start to complain about headaches. While this is going on, Nada notices the preacher he saw in the opening montage. Uh, the preacher's mouthing the exact same words the hacker is saying. He then sees Gilbert take the preacher into a nearby church, and he follows them. Once inside, Nada discovers that the two are meeting with a secret group, which also includes the alleged hacker. Nada also discovers all kinds of electronic and scientific equipment before being found by the preacher, who I probably should note is blind, because he wants to feel Nada's face and hands. Uh, Piper has some great dialogue here, and he, and he quickly exits with the preacher telling him that he'll be back. I definitely want to touch base on Piper's dialogue, but I will save that for later in the episode. Once outside, the shantytown and the church get raided and literally fucking bulldozed by the riot police. As Nada's trying to escape, we see riot police beating the hacker and the preacher. I assume that they were both beaten to death because we never see them again. 
A small chase ensues and eventually Nada gets away. Cut to the following day when Nada retrieves one of the boxes from the church ruins. In it are the infamous sunglasses. He takes a pair and he hides the rest in a dumpster. Not the most optimal hiding spot, I'd say, but I suppose his options are pretty limited at this point. Up next, we get the big sunglasses reveal scene. Piper is absolutely awesome in this, as he puts them on and takes them off to varying degrees. Once the sunglasses are on, everything goes monochrome and Nada can see the true messages on the billboards. Obey, consume, marry and reproduce, stay asleep, watch TV, etc. As well as the true forms of the aliens which all happen to be well-to-do elite types. Uh, bit on the nose there, Mr. Carpenter. Kind of surprised the feds haven't pinched you for riding out their reptilian friends in Antarctica. After recovering from the initial revelation and the following shell shock, Nada goes full piper by insulting one of the aliens in a supermarket in a pretty hilarious scene. After Nada insults her, she alerts the other aliens via wristwatch telecom thing. Uh, Nada leaves the store only to be confronted by two police aliens. The aliens try to reason with him, but Nada has none of it and guns them down. So, just for the record, it's broad daylight in downtown LA, and Nada just killed two cops in an alley for everyone to see. Actually, you know what? That's about right for LA. Moving on. So Nada arms himself with a shotgun that one of the aliens had in his car, and makes his way to the bank, and this is the big one that everyone remembers. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Piper is so awesome in this movie. Piper actually kept a notebook of things that he could say or work into his wrestling promos. He gave this book to Carpenter when Carpenter was writing the film, and a lot of Piper's lines are from that very notebook. Uh, Nada proceeds to kill several aliens in the bank, but misses one because it teleported out. But I guess no one in the bank saw that. So, now, to the rest of the world, Nada, this drifter who just arrived in L.A., has murdered two police officers and shot up a bank. Brilliant. Nada escapes through the parking garage and forces Holly Thompson to take him back to her place. Once there, we learn a few things. One... Wearing the glasses for an extended period of time causes hangover-like after-effects. Two, Holly is a program director at the Channel 54 News. And C, Holly is also capable of murder because she smashes Nada over the head with a bottle, which causes him to crash through a window and fall about 100 feet straight down. The next day, after somehow cheating death, Nada returns to the construction site to see Frank, who justifiably thinks that he's a murderer and wants nothing to do with him. Nada then heads back to the alley to retrieve the box of glasses, only to find that the dumpster has been emptied into a garbage truck. After some tomfoolery, Nada is able to dump the truck in the alley and retrieve the glasses. Just then, Frank shows up with a week's pay for him. Wait, hold on, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Frank thinks this guy is a fucking murderer. And, by the way, has every right to believe that, and still brings this guy his paycheck. Frank, my guy, you ever heard of nice guys finishing last? And speaking of which, we now get into the almost six minute long fight scene that took a month and a half of rehearsals to choreograph. And holy hell, what a fight it is. It's actually kind of absurd when you think about it. All Frank had to do was put the glasses on, but nope, let's fight in the alley for six minutes instead. Like, at some point in that ass whooping, 
even at maybe the three-minute mark, halfway through, wouldn't you just be like, fuck, if I do this, will you shut up and back off? Yeah? Okay, give me the goddamn glasses. Say what you want to about Frank, but you cannot say that he does not stand on his principles. So after a back alley smackdown, Nada gets the glasses onto Frank, and all of that could have been avoided. Frank and Nada then head to a hotel and get a room where Nada warns him not to wear the glasses for too long. Later on, Frank runs into Gilbert, who invites them to meet the group. That night, the two go to a meeting and are given new contact lenses and one of the wristwatches. The two learn that the aliens are using global warming to make Earth more like their home planet and are slowly depleting Earth of its resources. They also learn that the aliens have been bringing humans into their circle as collaborators and giving them fame, power, and wealth. Nada then runs into Holly at the meeting, who apologizes profusely for the earlier attempted murder. Just then, the alien riot police blow a hole in the building and kill just about fucking everybody except for our heroes and Holly. Very convenient. Nada and Frank are pinned down in an alleyway, and they use the wristwatch to open a portal into the alien's base. Once there, they discover the Illuminati. What? That's essentially what it is. Come on. The aliens and their collaborators are having a banquet to celebrate the destruction of the quote-unquote terrorists. So wait, how do they get the news? How do they set this up so quickly? How do they get everyone there so quickly? It literally just fucking happened. Also, how come no one is noticing Frank and Nada? They're both in dirty flannel and jeans, and everyone else is in tuxedos and evening gowns. Enter Buck Flower who is all cleaned up and wearing a tux. It appears that he took a deal from the aliens and is now very well-to-do. He says he's very happy that the guys also took the deal and comments on the guys not getting new clothes for the party, so there went my prior comment. Fuck me. Nada convinces him to give them the tour, which includes revealing that they're actually at some sort of spaceport. Uh, the tour then ends at the Channel 54 newsroom, where it's revealed that the roof satellite is the source of the alien signal. Nada wants to go in and tells Buck that he's never been inside of an actual newsroom before. Buck then asks the alien security, who then asks Nada and Frank for their clearance card. The two instead produce fucking Glocks and murder the shit out of the aliens. But Buck gets away. Once inside the newsroom, Nada murders more aliens. Our heroes make their way through the hallways, looking for Holly and trying to find their way to the roof. Oddly enough, amidst all of this chaos, they find Holly walking walk, walking down the hall. Yeah, that, just walking down the hall. They grab her and they head to the roof. Nada tells her to stay with Frank and tells Frank to watch the door. As soon as Nada is away, bye-bye Frankie boy, Holly with a big-time heel turn blows his goddamn head off. Once at the satellite... Nada asks if they're all clear, at which point Holly reveals she's also one of the collaborators, and choppers appear around the roof. Nada, channeling his inner Roddy Piper, promptly gives zero fucks and guns down Holly. The choppers open fire, but Nada gets off a shot and destroys the satellite transmitter, revealing the aliens to the rest of the world. Uh, in true Piper fashion, Nada gets the last laugh and gives the chopper the finger before he dies. Woo, what a flick. What a flick. The good, I'll tell you. This has been one of my favorite John Carpenter movies for a long, 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 long time. Uh, a lot of that has to do with how awesome Piper is in this. 
A lot of people always say how surprised they are at his acting ability, to which I ask, have you ever followed this guy's career? It should come as absolutely no surprise that he is this good in this kind of movie. I also really, really enjoy the subject matter of the uh, the film for a couple reasons. Um, it's a fantastic reflection on society, even today, and our need for consumerism. I also like that it kind of plays into certain conspiracy theories that may or may not involve Whoopi Goldberg being of an elder reptilian race that currently reside in the Hollow Earth by way of tunnels in Antarctica. The bad. Some of the acting is... Eh. It's hard to be mad about it, though, because it's surrounded by a lot of good. I will say that somehow the weakest point of this movie is the score. Um, feels literally like one song played over and over and over and over and over and over again, which actually is, might not be the first John Carpenter flick that does that i'm looking at you silver shamrock theme from halloween 3 season of the witch um but i will say it does kind of feel like sacrilege saying that the weak point of the john carpenter movie is the music but you know it is with all that said seven and a half out of ten for me uh you know what i would love to see a modern remake of this movie now put away the torches and pitchforks i know some of us have certain feelings about remakes and so do i and we're entitled to them but this is one that i think could be really really cool it would work on so many levels replace tv and magazines with digital streaming platforms and social media have john cena and terry cruz in the roles of nada and frank and fuck put adam mckay at the helm he's proven that he's more than capable of balancing the comedic and serious tones that the film would have and he's even tackled similar content with don't look up if you make that movie i'll plop my dollars down for it all right that's going to wrap up episode two of pod 138 and actually i think i owe you guys another episode because we skipped last month uh by we, I mean I skipped last month because I had a lot going on. Um, so I'll, I'll dig into that. We'll figure something out. Once again, thank you all so, so, so much for supporting me in this crazy endeavor of mine. Uh, like, comment, leave a five-star review, follow all of the socials, and catch me next week on the Mad Made Monster Cast. Until then, I am Rob138, and I will catch on the flip side. So I can, so I can Forget my name, why?